Vivian, what is it you want? What do you see happening between us? I don't know. When I was a little girl, my mama used to lock me in the attic when I was bad, which was pretty often. And I would... I would pretend I was a princess trapped in the tower by a wicked queen. And then suddenly, this knight on a white horse with these colors flying would come charging up and draw his sword. And I would wave and he would climb up the tower and rescue me. That scene is from the movie Pretty Woman starring Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts plays Vivian, the hooker with a heart of gold in the movie. It's a very popular movie. Sadly, it did a very poor job of, of presenting the heartbreak of that life of prostitution. Vivian in the movie is presented as being very confident, very in charge, and the reality is nothing could be further from the truth for those that are trapped in that life. But in that scene, in that scene, in that brief moment, we're reminded that Vivian was once a little girl. And that little girl had hopes. And that little girl had dreams. That little girl also had challenges. And, and that little girl knew abuse. But she had a dream. And, and Vivian's dream is still, is, it is not fulfilled. No, no little girl grows up with the dream of that lifestyle. No little girl grows up with the dream of selling herself to survive. There is so much that has to be broken before that happens. Broken families, broken lives, broken hearts, broken dreams. You have to lose everything and then lose yourself. And for so many trapped in that life, there is nowhere else to go. There is no home to go home to. And, and in fact, there is that overwhelming feeling that home is the one place where you are not wanted. A few years ago, I was driving down the road in, in a big city nearby, big town nearby, and I'm driving down the road with some friends of mine. We're going to a church service. We're going to go to a worship service. We're having a great time. And as I'm driving down the road, the car in front of me, suddenly I see brake lights, and the car comes to a stop. And so I had to come to a stop. And this, this woman walks from the sidewalk on the side of the road. She walks over to the passenger side, and she leans in, and she starts talking to the driver. Now... I'm from Kansas, Illinois. I know exactly what's going on. These people are obviously friends. And they haven't talked to each other for a while. So just like around here, every now and then, someone in front of you will stop and they'll talk to someone. They're having a little conversation. In my head, they're just, they're just friends having a conversation. They're probably talking about the crops, right? That's what you do. Or high school sports. I don't know. And so my plan was to just tap on the horn a couple times and say, hey, I appreciate that you've just run into your friend, but could you move this conversation to the side of the road instead of in the middle of this four-lane highway? And as I'm preparing to tap on the, the horn, my friends say, Brett, don't. That's, that's, that's a business transaction taking place in front of you. My small-town sensibilities told me something else, and suddenly my eyes were open, and I saw the ugliness of it. I saw how... How vile that was. No little girl dreams of, of doing that. No one, no father wants that for his child. 
And so when God wanted His people to understand just how far they had fallen, when He wanted His people to understand how broken they were and how much they had broken His heart and how broken their relationship with Him was, He called His prophet Hosea not just to preach, but to to live out a message. He called Hosea to be a blunt example of what their sin had done to their relationship with him. He called Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. We're going to look at the first chapter of Hosea today. Hosea chapter 1. If you're in your Bibles, if you're still trying to find Hosea, if you made it to Isaiah, Isaiah is a little to the right of halfway through your Bible. If you hit Isaiah, the next book is Jeremiah, and then there's a little book called Lamentations, and then there's a big book called Ezekiel, and then Daniel. You know where Daniel is, and then Hosea is next to it. If you're following along in those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 790, or 751. And if you brought your iPhone with you, or your Android phone, whatever you might have, or a tablet, and you've got the Bible app on you, I'd love for you to get that Bible app on there. You can find all of our notes right there. We're going to be in Hosea chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. This, this story is not, it's not about Hosea. And it's not really about Hosea and his wife. And, it, and it's not even about Hosea's broken heart, but Hosea's heart is broken. It's about God's broken heart. And it's about the reality that all of us, every single one of us, starts at a place where we're broken also. We all start at a place of brokenness. Now, every book that I've read over the last few weeks as I've prepared for these messages... Every book I've read has told me that Hosea is one of the least preached books in the Bible, that no preacher would dare preach Hosea. People don't bother with it. They don't read it. They don't preach it. Nobody preaches on Hosea. And it says, every book says it's the same thing. It's because of the themes in Hosea. It's because of the language of Hosea. It's about a difficult message, and I don't believe that at all. I think there's one reason, and one reason only, that people don't preach from Hosea, and that is that the woman, the prostitute that Hosea goes out and marries, her name is Gomer. What are you laughing at? And when I say Gomer, you're not thinking about a prostitute in the Middle East a few thousand years ago. You're not thinking about a little girl with broken heart, broken dreams, broken family. You're not thinking about that. You're thinking about the Andy Griffith show. And you're thinking about that, that mechanic or that marine from the Andy Griffith show. So I, I would lay money on the fact that up until 1960, when the Andy Griffith show premiered, I bet Hosea got preached a lot. And I think afterwards, preachers just said, it's too much trouble. They're not going to think of their, their, their minds are immediately going to Gomer Pyle. It's just too distracting now. So let's get it over with. Hosea marries a prostitute named Gomer. And what does the name Gomer mean? We're not really sure what Gomer means. What we think it means, we think it means complete. And not complete in the sense that she is the complete package as a wife. That's not the sense. Not complete in the sense that, well, he was kind of a complete idiot in that TV show but complete in this sense, that God's people, that their sin, their sin was complete. They were completely lost. They had completely abandoned God. There was nothing that they wouldn't do to run away 
from God. Your sin is complete. You have failed, and you have failed completely. So we begin in Hosea 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Now those are a bunch of other names that you're really not going to need to worry about. What you need to realize is that Hosea is putting his message in its historical context. And that's a lot of kings, isn't it? That's a lot of people in charge. Hosea was preaching, was prophesying in a very volatile time. They had been through several kings. They had been through a lot of leadership. There was a lot of transition. And just imagine what that's like and trying to, to hold to a central message with that much transition happening in your world. Verse 2 goes on. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take for yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblium, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now hear me very carefully on this. This is not about love. This is not about Hosea being an honorable man. This is not about him being the knight on a white horse with collars flying coming up to rescue the damsel in distress. This is not even about him making an honest woman out of, out of his wife. God has called him to live out his message. And the message is this. My people have abandoned me. My people have cheated on me. My people have played me for a fool. They have been running around. They are chasing after other gods. They are chasing after other nations. They have sold themselves out and abandoned me when I promised them nothing but love, nothing but care, nothing but honor. God's heart is broken. God's people are broken. Their relationship is broken. And we have to admit, we have to admit, there is something of us in that story. There is something of us here. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul says, all have sinned. All of us have sinned fallen short of what God has called us to. Not a single one of us is clean. Not a single one of us is pure. We have all screwed up. And in doing so, we have broken God's heart. Our sin has broken our relationship with Him. Not just a little, but completely broken us. And in this story, Hosea is going to get his heart broken again and again and again. And God's message is, that is me. That is how you have treated me. And you know, the promise, the problem, the problem isn't just that we fail. The problem isn't just that we're broken. The problem is that we allow our failure to name us. And you know, that this may be more true of us in a small town. In fact, it, it probably is true of a small town. Have you ever heard this saying? Small towns have long memories. You ever heard that? Even if you haven't heard it, you know the truth of it? Small towns have long memories. People don't forget the mistakes that you've made in that small town. And on more than one occasion, I've been talking to someone who's made some pretty big mistakes, and what they tell me is, I've got to get out of this town. I've got to get away from here because people don't forget. People don't let us move on. And that is very true. Small towns have long memories. You know what else is true? Wherever you go, there you are. And if your mistakes continue to follow you, there's probably a reason for that. 
And the reason is likely that one way or another, you have chosen to identify with your mistakes. You have chosen to let your mistakes be your identity. You've claimed them. You've chosen them as your own. So verse 2, God tells Hosea, take a wife of Horton and have children of Horton. I want you to think about that. What does that tell you about his kids? Whose kids? Can you imagine? Just imagine for a moment we're going to have a guest speaker. Not one of them that is currently coming. But let's say I, I tell you we're having a guest speaker today. And he's a pretty famous preacher. He's very well known. In fact, he's written a book. You may have read it. It's in your Bible. His name is Hosea. And Hosea comes walking in the back of the church. And he's dragging three kids. And he's exhausted. And he steps up to the podium and he says, oh, sorry I'm late. My wife had to work all night. Um, these are our kids. I think. I think they're our kids. I'm not sure. Verse 3, Hosea, we're told that Gomer had a son. And in verse 4, it goes on and says, And the Lord said to him, Call the name of your son. Call his name Jezreel. For in just a little while, I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy. For I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the, by the Lord their God. I will not save them by the bow, or by the sword, or by the war, or by the horses, or by the horsemen. And when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name not my people. For you are not my people. I am not your God. Those names have a lot of meaning, obviously. Jezreel was a, was a valley. It was a valley where a, a great battle had taken place. A, a slaughter, really. A slaughter had happened in the valley of Jezreel. And many would say that it was a victory, but God says, no, it's not a victory because you shed blood on your own. You shed, you shed blood by your own power, not by my power, and you will pay for the blood that you've shed. The other two names, the name of the daughter and the name of the of the son. Some of your Bibles translate them uh, just as in their Hebrew names. But my Bible translates them literally. I'm reading from the ESV, and so we have literal translations for the other two names. And they are harsh. They are awful. He names, he names his daughter No Mercy. He names his daughter I don't love you. That's what he names her. I don't love you, I will not save you. And, and you daddies of daughters out there, you daddies of daughters, I don't know if to tell you how precious they are to us and how much you want to protect them, but Hosea's message through his daughter was there is no mercy for you here. And his younger son, he names his younger son, you are not my people. Be blunt. He names his youngest son Bastard. You're not my kid. I'm not your father. You don't even look like me. That's the, the name that he gives to his youngest son. Now, notice we, we don't hear Hosea's voice in this. We're not hearing Hosea's voice at all. We're just hearing what God told him to do. But but I <laughs> I guess as a father, I, I, I can imagine his heart breaking 
as he says to his kids, I don't love you. You're not even mine. You're a failure. And I imagine that not just because I'm a father, but I imagine that because Hosea is speaking for God and he's expressing God's heartbreak for his people. I don't know. Have you ever been to that point where you failed so miserably that you wondered, does God even love me anymore? Have you ever been to that point where you thought, could God even love me? Could God even care for me? I have screwed up so much. I have failed so bad. How could anyone love me? You see, this isn't all there is to Hosea's message. Because there's a promise here also. And, and Hosea's message, the, the complete message we find is that God's promise is greater than our failure. God's promise is far greater than our failure. Long before God's people abandoned Him, there was a promise. Long before they hoard themselves out on idols and, and, and false gods and feeding their own lusts and chasing after other nations, long before any of that, God had made a promise. And unlike us, unlike, unlike us, even at our best, God keeps His promises. And if you went all the way back to Genesis chapter 22, you would find this conversation between God and Abraham. Abraham, not just the father of the Jews, but Abraham, a man who, of whom we're told he was God's friend. He was the friend of God. And God said to Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 17, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And what we have to remember is that promise does not just come from God. That promise comes from God's faithfulness. It's not about our ability. It's not about the people of God's ability to be perfect. It's about God's perfect love for us. And so even in those moments when you've said to yourself, I am a failure, I have blown it, I am unlovable, no one would want me, no one would claim me, God's promise comes back. And in verses 10 and 11, we read, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said of them, you are not my people, it shall be said of them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. God says, I can take you. I can take your failure. I can take your sin. I can take you as messed up as you are or as messed up as you think you are and I can still keep my promises to you. And I wonder how many people we come in contact with. I wonder how many people we come in contact with on any given day and they don't know that. I, I, I know all of us at one time or another we've felt unworthy, we've felt rejected and we've wondered how could God love me. But I think of those who look at the church, who look at us, and they say, I don't belong there. I don't belong there. I've screwed up too much. I've failed too many times. And this is a small town. Everyone knows my failure. And they look at us and they say of us, those are not my people. There's no mercy for me there. No one wants a bastard in a small town. Not in God's house. The first verse of chapter 2, after God has given... Hosea, his message, after God has told of his broken heart, look at what God tells him in, in chapter 2, verse 1. He tells Hosea, 
Say to your brothers, you are my people. And to your sisters, you have received mercy. You see, our message, our message is not condemnation. Our message is not you don't belong. Our message is no matter how you've messed up, no matter how lost you feel, you are never so far from God that he won't welcome you home. And I, I love how he says it there in verse two or verse, verse one of chapter two. He says to Hosea, you say to them, you say to them, Hosea, you say you belong. You tell them, you tell your brothers they belong. You tell your sisters that they have mercy. And I hope that's the message that our neighbors hear from us. I hope that's the message that our brothers and sisters hear from us. I hope they know that they are welcome here. I hope they feel like they belong to us and they belong to God. And I hope you know that too. Because maybe, maybe you're here as someone who's never really felt like you belong to God. And maybe you've looked at the church and said, that's not me. <laughs> Those people don't talk like me. <laughs> they don't act like me. They don't look like me. I don't look like that. I don't talk like that. And if that's where you've been, I, I want you to know today, I, I'm not here to tell you how you ought to behave. Really, I'm not here to tell you how you ought to behave. And I don't even want to be here to tell you how you ought to believe. But we'll get to that eventually. But before anything else, I want you to know there's a place where you can belong. There's a place for, where you belong. I want to make sure you always know you have a place to belong right here. And for the rest of us, for the rest of us, I want to challenge us the way that God challenged Hosea. You say to your brothers, you're my kind of people. You say to your sisters, I love you. You say that. You say to your sisters, I know life has not always been merciful to you, but I want you to know that you are loved. Here in a moment, I'm going to have Donna play. We're going to sing a song. It's an old song. That some of you know it pretty well. We're going to sing a couple of verses of an old song, and, and we're going to just invite you in that time just to, to come forward. If it, if you've never accepted Jesus for who He is, if you've never accepted His message, and if you're ready to say, I'm ready to belong to you, I'm ready to, to accept your offer, we want you to come forward. We want to be able to pray with you. We want to pray with you about that. If you don't want to come forward and pray, I'm going to have the elders open that door in the back and open the door to my office, and they're going to be back there so you can go and pray with them there and, and, and find a, a nice, quiet, private place to, to have that prayer. But Hosea's message to God's people is just come home. Just come back home. And that's our call for you today.